This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Vince McMahon Tags Back In Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. I mean, it's not bad. I said, I said to Evan at the uh, at the the uh, the gun here that I had a pretty good intro. You know, put him under the gun and, yeah, and no see what pressure. he came up. But you went you went direct. You went you know straight up the Vince McMahon. I would have said, uh, and you're listening to the SmackDown edition of Sportico. That would have been me. <laughs> we're the we're the tag team here, right? We're, we're the tag team. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. We got our lucha libre masks and all and all that. But I mean, big, big news. Great job by, uh, was it uh, Wall Street Journal first had that Vince was not only coming back and he wasn't coming back to run the WWE, he was coming back to sell the WWE. I, and there's so many ways, as I had just told the entire staff, Eben, this is what, it's a media story. It's a finance story. It's a tech story. Uh, this This is sort of the time we're living in now maximize shareholder value people need content i mean the wwe is loaded with content there's a reason endeavor bought ufc there's a reason netflix was looking at the world surf league there's a a reason low those many years ago our friend steve paliuka attended an nhl board of governors meeting and said i'll give you four billion dollars for the entire nhl that never happened but there's a reason why People are bidding on content. You tell me which aspect of this story when you first heard it. So, you know, this is this is where my brain went. Just to provide some context for listeners, it's also a corporate governance story. Vince McMahon, who, who, yes. who left lack he, thereof. The, 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 the corporate driving force, the man behind WWE for so long, left the uh, left the company in the middle of 2022 amid an investigation that, that he was had paid um, women as part of uh, of, of settlements. Uh, he came back because he remained the majority shareholder, Scott, and he had the yep. board votes to reelect himself to the board. There was a larger board shakeup, bringing back some people, some people. George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, who were previous, exactly. previously co-presidents of WWE over at ISOS. Yeah. It made me, Scott, you know, that the, the, the co-op that, that I live in in New York has had uh, some some board trouble in the past. Uh, in the past As a former board it member of a co-op. It made me think about the, the drama that, that so many boards, co-op boards, corporate boards, all probably have around shareholder votes and majority shareholders and people coming and going, et cetera. Well, you, you, I always bring things back to real estate because it's always the same thing. I said to you, I think you should do it. Otherwise, <laughs> you will get run over by the, and this is sort of the akin uh, you know, analogy, is uh, Vince McMahon would be the sponsor. Yeah. Right? That guy has a, a lot of units in your building and can pretty much 
do whatever he wants without consulting the other members. He has the voting power to do it. So back to back to WWE, Vince McMahon comes back, uh, maximizing shareholder value seems to be the auspices under which he yeah. is doing this uh, and talking about uh, a potential acquisition. And I, I agree with you, Scott, that the media piece is the most interesting part here. The, the, the SmackDown and WWE Raw, their media rights are coming up and they can do something akin to what a lot of leagues do now, which is sell those rights for a fairly large amount of money to companies like Fox or ESPN or whoever might be interested. Or the question you pose is the right one. Do any of these big media companies feel like there is more value instead of paying to license WWE's rights and paying a, a number of billions of dollars and just buying the promotion uh, or, or buying the media company outright? I, I think that's the big question. And I think we'll see in the next couple months how, how big the appetite is for a deal of that structure, the, the 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 WWE's market cap right now, as we record this, is I think it's a little between six and seven billion dollars, something right in there. So this is not going to be a cheap deal if someone wants to buy it. But that's the big question: is does this company continue with the the licensing media rights model, or do they end up uh, as part of a larger media company through acquisition? And the question for you, because in his letter to the board, Vince said something to the effect of, "I will not approve any deal if I'm not, you know, back as chairman or running." Do you need Vince to be a part of these negotiations to get the biggest number? Or is this just him saying, well, no, I want to be a part of it. I need to be a part of it. This was my baby and I'm going to do it or nobody's going to do it. It's such a good question. And, and we had this conversation and we're probably going to continue it later in this podcast about Dana White and UFC. There are some executives that are just ingrained as, as parts of the brand, invaluable pieces to how they operate both by their persona within those leagues and also by the expertise and, 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 and what they have in their brains about the way the business operates. Vince McMahon is a hundred percent in that category. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know how different if wall, how wall street reacted to his departure in the middle of last year, but there is certainly a lot of interest uh, from wall street investors on him coming back. The stock jumped what, from $72 to $90. That's a little over 20% if my math is right. There, there's a lot of interest. So I think you got your answer to that question partially just by what happened with the stock this week, Scott, which is that a lot of people seem to find this company to be more valuable when Vince is involved and when there is a potential deal on the table. All right. Do we have, what is the Soshnik value add noise? Did we have something, Matt Whitehurst? I'm going to give you the Soshnik value add real world experience. This is when it happened. I can tell you a story. Way back when, uh, when the XFL, the original XFL, was launched or announced, and that was, of course, a deal between Dick Ebersole at NBC and Vince McMahon, WWE. 2001, I believe. Oh, God. I don't, I, whatever. I just know I'm old now. It was way back when. I really don't remember. <laughs> but I was assigned to go down. Like, WWE had a, what do they have? I don't know if they had a restaurant. They had a space. There was a space in Times Square. Like, WWE, I don't know what, remember what it was. But Wall Street did not react favorably to the announcement of the XFL. I think whether they thought, why are you putting the capital into this? What, you're only going to you know, divert your attention from the core business. To whatever it may have been, the, the stock opened down. So uh, I was charged with going over to this space and getting a reaction from Vince. Like, why is Wall Street down on this? And so I, and they were probably, I don't remember how many people there, but there's a little gaggle of reporters that were there. And Vince, the character, came out in the mm. initial response. It was an expletive-laced, F this, F that, F them, you know, beat the crap out. They don't know what the F, boo, 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 you know, F-bomb, 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 F-bomb. 
And I just, you know, I let him finish. That's fine. I didn't, you know, I, I'm sure that if whatever TV cameras or radio folks were loving every second of it, you know, they got, they got some, some great audio and, you know, he red faced all that, the whole shebang as if it was a, you know, a Monday night, Monday night, Monday night raw. Is that right? Is that, okay. As if it was a performance, like maybe he was jumping off the top rope and landing on a table and smash, you know, wonderful performance from Vince telling wall street that they're a bunch of idiots and didn't know anything. However, I don't think there was a damn thing I could use as a quote because every other line was an F-bomb, right? There was nothing for us to use at the time. So I just politely at the end said, said hey, Vince, um, I don't think I can use any of that. Uh, do you think you can give me a quote that is suitable for our story? Uh, or I'll put you down for a no comment, a decline to comment. And it was like a, a Dr. David Banner conversion of <laughs> the green hulk back to david banner you know in the ripped clothing and he was all just like immediately in a very soothing tone well i wholeheartedly disagree with their take on our it was so funny to see you from character back to you know ceo of the company saying i disagree with their take and whatever but it was just funny to see the the interplay of his reaction, me telling him, I can't use this. Do you have a comment I can use, please? And then he just gave me that. You know, that's, but it, it is so aligned. Like he's the character, he's the main man. It all revolves around. He created this thing, right? And that makes me wonder whoever buys it, if it is sold. Yeah, I, I would think, uh, are there employment contracts for Triple H and Stephanie McMahon? This is a specialized business. Not easy to come up with all this programming uh, every week. Um, you want to discuss now, perhaps like who some of the, uh, the entities are that might be interested. I mean, cause of what, what we talked about that we know who bids on these sports league rights. And we're hearing at the time it was Chapek and we we've heard from David Zaslav, like this stuff has to make sense to our shareholders, you know, that kind of little, hmm. that first warning shot, whether it's Adam silver, cause they were talking about NBA rights or, or WWE as well. Like I'm always wondering if you, and I know, again, I'm going a little long here on tangent, but I, I just have the kind of this free flow of ideas. I'm like, if you believe in the, the power of content and the, uh, the value play of content long-term, why sell? Do you think now's the best time to get out? Like, why now? Why, or is this his way back in? I don't know. Just, just my, this is my, this is like the immediate thoughts that rush through my head when like, okay, their media deals up. I, I don't think anybody doesn't believe that the entities out there now would probably pay more for WWE than they did in the last deal because of that need for top tier content. I think this falls there. So why get out now? Like if he, he, does he not believe or does he believe there's a day of reckoning coming where eventually those numbers are going to start to come down much like they did as the domestic rights for the EPL. I think that the, the offers that you probably get from companies like Turner or Fox sports are, are probably maybe a bit lower than they might've been if this had been a year ago, or certainly if it had been, been three years ago, but, We've seen that they're much deeper pocketed companies, Scott, as you know, that are interested in this world now. And they're Amazon. Are you talking streamers? And they're Apple and they're Google. Uh, those what about Endeavor? What about Endeavor? They've got Endeavor UFC. Owns UFC. Um, has has had a lot of success. A lot of success yeah. uh, in their in their ownership of UFC over the past five or six years, however long that's been. Um, Disney. Disney certainly a possibility there too. Yeah. I, again, I think the. This all seems to hinge on on the on the streaming companies, right? The the Disney and 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 all the media companies are wealthy companies. They have money to spend, but this is a, a rounding error for a company like Amazon, right? Well, so, you, well, you want rounding errors. What else? Sovereign wealth funds. 
also, <laughs> also certainly a possibility. And WWE certainly has its its little history with 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 Saudi Arabia in the past uh, fight in islands, the past baby. Couple, couple years as well. Um, but yeah, there's a whole lot of. I, I think that yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good good question. I think it will hinge obviously on more bidders. It probably means more more money and more and more interest, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to depend on whether a lot of these streaming companies are interested in this prospect or not. But but going back to your Vince story, which I love, by the way, it's a good reminder that Vince, the the, the character CEO, is not the person in the boardroom right. that, that is making all of these decisions. Although That's on a, this one, a it very might be. <laughs> a very different uh, a very different Vince McMahon. Um, and and while while it's clear that Wall Street does value the, the, his involvement in this company, I do think it's fair to say that it is also way riskier have Vince McMahon involved in this business, right? Given, given the investigations that we've seen, it, it, it also, if the company is worth more with him at the helm, there is obviously when you build out your, your kind of downside risk models, I do think it's fair to say that there's probably also a bit more downside risk when he, when he remains involved with the company. I will tell you, and once again, I'll bring in my focus group of one and we go to enough sporting events, and you and I talk all the time about who has found a way to differentiate, who has made the entertainment experience really wonderful in arena. I got to tell you, man, when I bought my focus group of one to a WWE event at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. I mean, he and his pal loved every second of it, the spectacle, the lights, the sound, the smoke, the fi- what he loved every second of it. And I paid the price because he spent the next week beating the living bejesus out of me. <laughs> hey, Dad, you're standing on his bed. Dad, Dad, I want to try this movie. You know, the whole thing. And I know probably a whole lot of mothers and fathers had that same experience. But you can't discount it because it, it's such a unique experience that for at a live event show, it's great. But of course, now you got to say, how do you do with the sort of the, the weekly model of putting out content that people are going to watch, whether it's on TV, computer, whatever, uh, you know, what, what's the future of people in this content? And, and of course, the library, of, you, you have all these years. I, I love the old Iron Sheik, Gorilla Monsoon, uh, the Big John Stud, Andre the Giant. Great, great value in the library of content you're probably also acquiring. You which WWE also owns, right? And, and yes. they were one of the first, along with UFC. I think WWE may have been first, but they were one of the first to take all of that internally, digitize archives, and put it behind its own paywall through its own digital service. I always used to, for, for those of a certain age, I always used to uh, feel bad for. Did you know SD Special Delivery Jones? <laughs> I did not know. Wrestling is not not a world that I've ever All really right. operated. You in. know the guy who always got the title shot, like it, he he was always on the main card. SD Special Delivery Jones, but he never won. He was like your perennial second, third place finisher. The, the then, '90s Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Yes, he was the <laughs> '90s. But whatever, he he just couldn't carry. They never ever wrote him in as the winner. Ever, but he was always there at the big matches, so I'm sure he did well for himself. And we'll get to Dana White again in a moment. But speaking of combatants, give me the NFL playoff situation. I mean, whatever you talk about the new whatever they had to do for the Buffalo Bills, the situation. I don't. There's only one game right now I'm looking forward to, my man, and that is the Dallas Cowboys against Tom Brady. You and every executive at Disney, Disney, ABC, and ESPN uh, new expanded playoffs, uh, and, and that's the big one. Monday night, January 16th, Cowboys versus Buccaneers. Tom Brady versus the biggest NFL draw team wise in the country still. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that is the, the, the in, in this new scenario setup, ESPN is, is a huge winner here to get that Monday night game and to have it be those two teams. That's that that's a huge success to be totally honest, Scott, just just pouring through the, the matchups here. I don't see a ton that I think of as as really great a fantastic 
you know, matchups for, for, for a TV audience ahead of time, but it's the NFL playoffs people are going to watch. Doesn't matter. And yeah. A lot of these games are going to be really compelling and come down to the final, final possession or final quarter. And it's going to, it's going to produce value even more. So NFL seems to be rolling full steam ahead. The, the DeMar Hamlin situation, which we actually haven't talked that much on the podcast, Scott, as we record this, uh, he certainly seems to be doing much better. And the NFL, I would say a lot of, a lot of people love to throw, throw, throw criticism at the NFL and the NFL PA, I think on the whole handled extremely well. Uh, and, and the, not an elegant situation trying to figure out what happens with the, with the AFC championship game regarding how the chiefs and the, uh, and, and, and the bills and the, and the Bengals perform moving forward, but there were no easy answers. And I think on the whole, the league has handled that fairly well. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be malleable, and they were, and they they made something that worked. And I would just want to give a kudos, by the way, to Daniel Libet, because in a in a sea of stories about this guy, about the situation, you know, frankly, we cover sports business, and when the donations started flooding into his charity, you know, we we took a look at it. I mean, he was not this thing, this entity was not set up to handle this kind of money. It was meant to give out some teddy bears to kids. <laughs> You're and, looking to raise two grand and, and suddenly yeah. there's $7 million in, yeah, the, uh, yep. in the account. That's a little different. That's a little different. And, and by the way, the rules and regulations do apply. And you've, you know, if you're out of compliance, I'm, I'm assuming they probably get a little grace period here. But Daniel Libet took a wonderful look at, here's the situation, here's what people are saying about it, and here's what has to be done. And by the way, I don't know whether the wheels were turning on their end or not, but soon after, they took action to make sure they would be compliant with this kind, with this kind of you know charitable endeavor. So partnering with another charity to kind of go under another, their so umbrella. Super, yeah. super smart. If you have not seen it, because I had a bunch of people say to me afterwards, I did have a couple of people say, "Oh, insensitive. The guy's in the hospital. We don't know." I, I understand, but the world did not stop, and I had far more people reach out to me and say, "You know what? Thank you for that story." I was wondering about this. I was wondering what was going to happen because so much money was coming in. Would they be able to handle it? So kudos uh, to Mr. Libet for a, an absolutely fantastic story. Um, and then we move from, and it looked like he had something else he wanted to say. I was going to have one more before we move on. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, Sneaking the, into the playoffs. Was it like a fumble recovery? Six fumble or seven straight games in a row to end the year. Had a, had a play-in game, essentially, with the with the Tennessee Titans. They were the first, uh, just to, to talk on-field for the second, I think they were the first NFL team in like 20-plus years to have a fourth-quarter comeback without getting a first down in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so a big defensive touchdown towards the end of their game against the Titans. Uh, defense played well. But uh, a rare Jacksonville Jaguars playoff appearance. And and you know my allegiance is going back to my childhood. I am, uh, I'm certainly yep. Excited about that as well. When you get quality performances from Fred Taylor, Tony Baselli, and Mark Brunel on the same day, you're going to do good things, and that's what the Jaguars got. How'd so. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars and friend of the program, Shad Khan. Good, good luck. Who do they play? They are playing the uh, Chargers in Jacksonville on Saturday. Night. Oh, a home game. Home game. Yeah. Well, that's happens when you win, you tell when me, you win your, sold win your out? division. Sold uh, out? Definitely sold out. Yeah, I think the. I have a friend who was actually down there for the for the game against the Titans, and he said it was the loudest he'd heard that building uh, ever. Uh, so yeah, I think there's going to be a. My guess is it's going to be loud, and and so the Jaguars don't host, as you can imagine, don't host playoff games all that often. So the the, the chance to do one at a team that I think people are getting excited about, certainly now and also in the future, yeah, I think that's going to be a. It's going to be a loud environment. All right. Speaking of sold out, what do I need to know about TCU in Georgia? I mean, we're recording this the day of the game, so we'll, everything will be rearview mirror at this point, but what do we need to know going into it? 
I, I think the, the the two main things here are this is either going to be and, and seems likely to be a win for Georgia in a way that kind of cements Georgia's legacy as hitting that top, top, top tier alongside your Alabamas and your Ohio States as the bluest of the blue bloods in college football. And, and because of the way money gets sorted in college sports, college sports uh, much larger, or this ends up being a historic season for TCU, a school that no one expected to be here and I think was was kind of undervalued by a lot of college football experts, even as the year went on, as they continued to win, uh, would be their first college football national championship, obviously, and under, under the playoff format. So it's either going to be a, a solidifying of kind of dynasty and blue blood status for, for Georgia or kind of a very unexpected and I think exciting for, for fans who are not fans of Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State. I think this idea that, especially now, as, as the money separates more and more in college sports, the idea that a team like TCU, which was not on anybody's radar six or seven months ago as a potential national championship contender, the idea that that team can put together a season like this and challenge all of those blue blood programs, I think is really good and healthy for college sports. I think the fear is that we see less and less of that moving forward. So it's, it's going to be one of those two storylines and Scott will be, uh, we'll be talking about it on, on, on Thursday's show as well. You know, now we're going to be talking about it on Thursday's show as well. Give me a solid promotion for God's sakes. You're in the business of, I, the, of media and you, that's what you say. Give well, me, I give did, me the I didn't promo want to jump the gun, sake. but I believe we're going to have Josh Brooks, the athletic director at Georgia joining the show. And I'm sure he will be talking, especially if things go well for the Bulldogs tonight. I think he will be, uh, I think he will be talking a lot about the business effects of suddenly putting after, after a couple decades title drought, putting two college football championships together and what that looks like. I'm hoping the great Lev Akabas can actually give us a quick look today at how much they spend on recruiting. Apparently Georgia has spent so yes. much more <laughs> on recruiting than everybody else. So no surprise that, you know, you guy go, you know, you get, get out what you get in or go get out what you put in. They, they, they obviously put the resources in on recruiting and seems to be working. No question. No question. Did, did I tell you that I, yeah, I did on the last show. I think I said that I had, uh, I had Jackson, my, uh, my focus group of one that believing that the uh, quarterback's last name was if not the fourth, which was, which <laughs> I still, Bennett which I, yeah. yeah, which I was, nice. and by the way, if TCU wins, cause every now and then when I'm walking around now, I see some peacock sweatshirts or t-shirts from St. Peter's when they went, oh. you know, did have their run. Like I yeah. still see some peacock stuff. I think Horn Frogs is akin to Peacock. Like it's a little different. If TCU wins, I think, you know, even walking around the streets of New York, you're going to start to see some Horn Frogs wear. It's just a cool mascot, cool logo. I think that's a possibility. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how much of that is because you live in New Jersey, obviously, right? Right, right mm -hmm. near where St. Jersey City is. Yeah, yeah th th I won't compare those two things. St. Peter's is, was a monumental underdog in a way that the TCU even is not. But yeah, I think there's a, my guess is there's going to be a, a pocket of people in Georgia rooting for Georgia in, in this championship game. And then a whole lot of people around the country just hoping for, for new blood and underdog rooting for, for TCU, at least to keep it close. All right. Now we don't have the rights. Matt Whitehurst told us this. We don't have the rights to play music on the show. <laughs> so Scott's going to sing for us. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Come to talk with you again. You know where I'm going? Uh, I've, I, I don't know where I mean. I know the song, obviously. but I, well, So what's the song? Uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Yes, but what's the name of the song? Uh, it is Sound of Silence. The Sounds of oh, Silence. Oh, I do know where you're going. Nice. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Why don't you take it away? Since I teed it up so beautifully with my melody, why don't you take it away? Because right now the silence is an uproar. 
Yeah, we have heard a whole lot of silence from everybody essentially in and around UFC over the past week. We discussed it on the show last week, uh, a video surfacing online right around the new year of UFC President Dana White um, hitting his wife at a club in Mexico City at at a New Year's Day party. Dana briefly spoke with TMZ right afterwards, apologized for it, said they had been drinking. Um, but there has been uh, very little since. Uh, UFC, to my knowledge, has not said anything. Endeavor, which owns UFC, to my knowledge, has not said anything publicly. There has not been all that much discussion of, of this in, in in mainstream media. We can talk, if you want to, about Stephen A. Smith, who, who is one of the only major ESPN commentators that I have read that has addressed it, and he did it in a in a very underwhelming way to say the least. Um, but, but a a pretty surprising for a lot of people in our industry, a pretty surprising kind of net of silence from UFC, from Endeavor, from UFC's partners around, obviously a very serious incident for someone. And we touched on it with, with Vince McMahon for someone whose brand is so intensely intertwined with the business success of the company that he runs much like Vince McMahon, Dana White is, he is the face of UFC. He is probably the, the the one name that most UFC fans would think about most associated with UFC, even more so than than than, than maybe or if not all of the of the fighters. There's just a it, it's it's almost impossible to to overestimate, overstate, and also to separate if if it needed to happen, Dana White from the UFC brand. You know that I am a stickler for great lyrics, right? Yeah, I mean music is great, whatever, but when and that's why I love Paul Simon and, of course, Art Garfunkel of Well, what separately together, whatever, it doesn't matter. But, I mean, think about it. In restless dreams, I walk alone, narrow streets of cobblestone. Neath the halo of a street lamp, I turn my collar to the cold and damp. I mean, just fantastic <laughs> stuff. Fantastic stuff. So, <laughs> anyway, I hope everybody's humming for our finish with Trevor Bauer. So, has he been officially released now by the Dodgers or designated for assignment? Either way, the point is that Trevor Bauer, who... Um, he was suspended for a long time. An arbitrator reduced the suspension, could have gone back to the Dodgers, uh, but it's pretty clear in the statement from the Dodgers that they don't want him back, but they do have to pay him. So yeah. the, the, the only question remaining now is, and I just want a yes or no out of you, will Trevor Bauer be on a major league mound next season? No. No. Do you think halfway, partway through a season, somebody will say, we need a pitcher, we had an injury, we are a contender, we need somebody? I, I don't think that Trevor Bauer pitches again in in, in Major League Baseball. And really? I, Ever? That, yes. And that's wow. my, I, I have no, <laughs> I've not honestly done very little reporting around this. I have not talked to many people in and around baseball. Um, the allegations against Trevor are pretty ugly and separate from that. He was not someone that had a lot of defenders in Major League Baseball circles even mm-hmm. before the very ugly incident or incidents uh, around which his suspension was was given out. So so I don't expect to see him. I, I'm not shocked that the Dodgers are agreeing to pay him a lot of money to to, to twenty sit there plus and million not, dollars to not play. Yeah, to to not play. I'm not surprised by that. And I and I would be surprised if he ends up on a baseball team uh, again ever. To be honest, well, do you disagree? I do. I think he'll pitch okay. again. I I, I there's a, a dearth, and somebody's going to have a need, and we'll get the. I mean, De- Deshaun Watson is starting for the. Cleveland Browns, right? He is. I, I would say that that the allegations against Trevor Bauer are, are significantly uglier than I, I got than, it. Than whatever um, Deshaun Watson was accused of doing, obviously uh, to, to, to many different uh, massage therapists. I, I, I do think there is a gradation difference there for sure. 
I agree. I'm just not sure grading on the curve that teams will care all that much. We do. I, I, I'm right. I can see the statement already. We have spoken with Trevor. We have done our due diligence. We are convinced that I, I just I see it and that the need for what he can do, you know, the, the greater the talent, uh, the greater the leniency for whatever the transgression might be. And he's a pretty damn good player. You you may be right. Going back to the, the, my point speaking earlier, of good lyrics, I, 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 <laughs> I may be crazy. Sorry, but it just <laughs> may be may a be picture that you're looking for. Hey, oh, come on! I brought it all together there. Ap- I brought it everybody. all together. Um, the and I just maybe lose my train of thought, Scott. The, the <laughs> thing, <laughs> the thing I was going to say is, I, I would not be shocked if, uh, f- and, and this is sad, right? And and a, and, a, and a statement about kind of where sports is right now. But I wouldn't be shocked if the other stuff is the, is 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 the bigger driver of why he. Does not pitch in, base, in Major League Baseball again. Again, he, he but long that he wasn't well liked in the clubhouse kind of deal. Rape anyway. allegations, yes, that he was someone that was openly critical of Major League Baseball. A lot of executives and owners around the league felt that it was a shtick, and they were very tired of it. That he he had worn out his welcome in a lot of circles in Major League Baseball already. So, if this is the straw that broke the camel's back, if this is something that is should be obviously taken way more seriously, we'll see if that if that's true. But again, yeah, it, it, interesting. We'll find out soon. I think Scott, whether this is a a a temporary end of Trevor Bauer's career or if this is uh, this is in fact the end. And there you have it. He is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. The producer of our show is Matt Whitehurst. Get those trumpets in there, Matt. Digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She likes it when I remind you that you can find the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.